Good afternoon and welcome to everybody. This is uh, session eight. This is the final session and really today's session I think is twofold. The first part is just to take you through a little bit around preparation. So what are effective ways to assist us to prepare ahead of presentations and then moving on from that. And I think I just want to get some feedback from, you know, those who are in the session. So if we get more people, it would be great because then we can engage on that feedback. But if not, uh, we'll work with what we have and we'll talk to some of the things that have been most effective on the program for you. Some of the areas that have been challenging for you as well. I think you'll appreciate that this is the first time we're doing a webinar series. So we're mindful that this is like a, we're flying a plane that we're also, I think, simultaneously building. So that feedback will then assist us to go back and I think to make those changes and iterations that are necessary to ensure that it's a program that really, you know, uh, meets people at the place of their need. So that's really the intent for today's session. And I warmly welcome you and let me get started. So in terms of, you know, the, the, the bit around uh, preparation, uh, I do want to just talk to the fact that preparation is so critical um, in terms of work that we're going to do. And so there's a wonderful quote by Abraham Lincoln. And in that quote, he says, if I only had an hour to chop down a tree, I would spend the first 45 minutes sharpening my axe. And I think, you know, that's the reality is that a lot of our ability to stand up and to present with confidence has to do with our willingness to do the preparation work ahead of time. It is critical, hugely, hugely important. So um, there's a wonderful book uh, that I actually received as a gift many years ago, and it's called Speaking for Success. And the gentleman who wrote the book, Bob Idea Man Hui, shares the story of a basketball team called the Indiana University Hoosiers. And, you know, this basketball team had become undefeated and they were winners of, you know, the national championship. Anyway, there was a whole lot of hoo-ha around this particular team. And, uh, you know, Bob Huey shares with us that the, 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 the commentator then asked the coach the question, what makes the team so successful? Was it their will to succeed? Uh, you know, perplexed by how people can keep repeating, you know, that winning streak. And this coach is said to have replied, you know, the will to succeed is important. But he said, I'll tell you what is more important. He said, the will to prepare. It's the will to go out there every day where you are training and you are building those muscles and sharpening those skills. And I think that's incredibly powerful. That beyond the will to succeed, if you're wanting to succeed, what's critically important is actually that willingness to sharpen those skills, to build that muscle, to go out there every day, to train, to do the work of preparation. And so, you know, this resonates with me absolutely. And I think it connects to another story um, that I think I may have shared in the sessions about meeting a group of, uh, you know, Olympic champions, South African rowers who were Olympic champions, who I met uh, whilst I was working in corporate. I remember in 2012, they came to visit the company I, I work for. Now, I'm not one to be dumbstruck by celebrities. I'm not one of those people. But, you know, I was in awe as I listened to the story of these three gents. There was one black guy and I think two white gentlemen. Um, and they competed in the London Olympics. And I think the year was 2012. And so all of us were gathered in the company atrium. The mood was like absolutely electric. There was music playing. And, and I think there was just so much excitement around the arrival of these national heroes who had won, I think, South Africa's first gold Olympic medal at the London Olympics in the rowing um, discipline. 
So, you know, what they then had done in that atrium setup is that they put these big screens and they played and replayed the scenes of that victory, you know, and it was such a close one. Um, I don't remember, I think it might have been Great Britain who came second, but it was tight. It was tightly contested. And I remember just looking at those three gentlemen as they were seated in front, uh, ready to engage us in a Q&A and seeing just, you know, as they were watching themselves, uh, the feeling of immense pleasure um, as they recollected the moment. And so, of course, I, similar to that commentator, was in the question, you know, how did they do it? You know, what was necessary? And so I went to them because I said, you know, give me the formula. I also want to be a champion. And I remember that, you know, they said the exact same thing. They said it was about putting in the effort every day. It was about being hungry and staying hungry. It was about really kind of focusing your energy on achieving that goal. And for them, it was to get a gold medal at the Olympics. You know, and so they said that the reality for them was that if they wanted to be best in this, they also had to realize that it was going to be an emotionally grueling experience. So preparation, I think, colleagues, seems to be a lever for success. This idea that we actually have to spend adequate time doing the prep work ahead of the success that we then want to achieve. You know, uh, John C. Maxwell also wrote a beautiful book titled Talent is Not Enough. And in that book, what he says is that, you know, preparation is what positions people. And he says it's often what separates those who win versus those who lose. And he goes on to say the reality is that when we don't do the preparation, the things that we hoped would not happen, happen. Because being unprepared puts you out of position. I love that. And he says, when you're out of position, then you lose. It's as simple as that. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we can then do to best prepare ourselves ahead of presentations. Are there any questions at this point in time? Any questions or comments or anything? Or can I just keep it moving? Okay, are we comfortable that I just keep it moving? I'm talking today. I'm just talking to preparation a little bit. Thanks, Dudu. Um, and then I will afford us an opportunity where we're going to engage about the actual program itself. I'll come to that a bit later. So just bear with me. I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm very passionate about this one. Okay. So let's go back to this one around preparation um, and the importance of it. And, the, and, and a couple of things we can do as it relates to our own preparation. So the first is, colleagues, you know, we have to spend time knowing our audience. We have to know who our audiences are. And you'll see that a little bit later when I give you tips for online presenting, I speak to the importance of doing the work around understanding who my audience is. You want to know this audience that you're preparing for incredibly well. You've invested or you're going to invest time preparing. So know who they are, where they come from. What are the interests of the people who are in your audience? How does your story connect to who they are? So that's one way to really ensure that you're preparing well. When I am going to speak at an event, I often will do the work of really understanding from the you know, event organizers who's going to be in the audience. Similarly here, you know, what was interesting about these webinar sessions is that we tried as much as possible to get a sense of who was going to be in our audience, and it was very diverse. So very diverse audience uh, representing even different levels in terms of profession, different uh, people coming from so many different places. But, you know, all of them, I think, brought together by this need to say, how can I improve, uh, you know, my communication skills and be heard? So really explore uh, who your audiences are so that you can 
in your preparation, tailor your messages to connect with who they are. The second is know your subject matter. Okay, it's, it's important that you know what you're talking about. So work on your content well ahead of time. Edit it. Make iterations until you're satisfied that you've captured the essence of your message. So go back to it, refine it, really get comfortable with it, get messy with it, tear it apart, put it back together again, etc. And in fact, this work of preparing the content in that way ensures or will assist to ensure that you know what you're talking about. And I always say you must know your content so well that even if things, you know, start to, to go wrong a little bit, or if you forget, you know, what you wanted to say, you know your subject well enough to be able to just bounce back. That's how well you must know your material. And then additional to that, I'm saying be comfortable with the equipment that you're going to use and be sure to test your equipment. So you don't want a situation where your microphone doesn't work and lets you down. Um, and again, another story here, I once attended a talk by the renowned South African speaker of Wusitembe Guayo. And I remember not really being interested in the talk, I'll be honest with you. Um, I wasn't interested in what he was delivering, but I just wanted to understand how does this man prepare? Um, and so I got myself, I think it was at the Great Hall Witz University for those who are based in Johannesburg. And I spent the entire session talking to the organizers to understand how he works, to understand you know, what are his requirements? How does he set himself up for success, et cetera? I was fascinated to learn that Uvusitembegwayo is quite specific about the tech that he uses. And he goes as far as to recommend the quality and the brand of microphone that he would use to speak. So he refuses, in fact, to use certain quality microphones. He wants the very best. And so that's the level of preparation I'm speaking to. Be comfortable with the tech, the equipment, whatever you're going to use, test it, and then have backups in the event of any hiccups. Okay, so I've said know your audience. I've said know your subject. And then I've said, please also kind of just test any of the tech material that you're going to use, um, you know, as you deliver on the content or the subject. I say, if you're going to be speaking at a venue and we don't see this happen anymore, but I think I will speak to it regardless, as far as possible, get a sense of it by either going to that place or even asking for a floor plan from the event organizers. These are some of the things that I do. When I am going to present at a place that's particularly daunting or unfamiliar for me, or if I know there's going to be a large crowd um, as much as possible, if it is within sort of, you know, reach, I will go physically there and I'll introduce myself to the space. I'll fill the empty space and kind of just get comfortable and familiar with the space ahead of time to quell my nerves. And when we are meeting on the day of, of presentation, this is normally the following day, uh, then at least I feel like I'm comfortable with the space. I've introduced myself to the space. This is the little ritual that I do myself. So as much as possible, get a very clear sense of kind of, you know, where, where are we at? Get a sense of where are the bathrooms. Get a sense of if there were an emergency during my presentation, where would I need to go? Get a sense of the exits and the entrances and all of that kind of thing. Be so comfortable that if anything happened, you'd still be able to, uh, you know, respond effectively. Then the other thing I wanted to say is deliver your content to audiences even ahead of the time. So ask for feedback as you're delivering that content and your audiences are probably going to be virtual now. But, you know, if you do have access to live audiences, deliver the content, share it with other people. Um, and this is that feedback will become gold to you because it's going to allow you to really start to become aware of any blind spots that you may have missed 
um, along your, you know, along your preparation. Another way to also be, you know, develop or, or work on those blind spots or reduce those blind spots, uh, you know, is to record yourself. So record yourself and watch for areas that you can bolster or improve, etc. And then also be clear about the time that has been allocated to you. And this is quite touchy, colleagues. You know, it, sometimes a person will prepare a 30-minute keynote and then you're only required for 10 minutes. And I think you made mention of, a, of an experience. I think it was you where you uh, might have been given, I don't know if it was you now that I think about it. Anyway, but uh, there was somebody, and I'm not sure now if it was in this session or somewhere else, but they had prepared, you know, based on a certain time allocation when they got to the presentation, were told, uh-uh, now you only have 10 minutes quickly. And it just completely threw them off and they were unable to kind of, you know, step up to that moment and see, you know. So get a very clear sense of what your timing is, uh, how much time has been allocated, but also allow a certain amount of flexibility. People might say to you, look, we no longer require 20 minutes. We actually need you to chop it up in 10 minutes. And you should be able to do that. Why? Because you know your content so well. You know what the areas are that you most want to focus on. You know the areas that you most want to get the points across, the main points across. You know what your main points are. And so everything else is just substantiating or material to assist you uh, to bolster your claims. But you can remove all of that and really kind of stick high level to what are the critical points? What's the information that my audiences need to get to? So always be prepared for people cutting down on your time. Uh, It shouldn't be a hindrance if you've done adequate preparation. And so ultimately, I think I'm saying here that, you know, uh, preparation means that you would still be great if everything that could go wrong did go wrong. That's the level of preparation I'm speaking to here. You know, if you want to become a leader, prepare. If you want to be heard, prepare. If you want to become any good at this, then then really invest time uh, with some of that preparation. And so maybe just to ask you the question, you know, are there preparation techniques that you're currently using ahead of a presentation? Are there any techniques that you're currently using ahead of some of your presentations? And that's just a question from me at this point. Okay, so modality is visualization. Do you want to maybe step into plenary and just share a little bit? Yes. So if I'm feeling particularly nervous, I like to visualize doing the speech so that when I actually do it, it's not the first or the second time that I'm doing it. So I'm more comfortable. Mm. Visualization is so important. Um, It's one of the things I talk about, even in terms of overcoming nerves. And I say, you know, you've got to see it to believe it. And so visualization is such a beautiful preparation technique because you simulate the experience. So I'm going to take myself to that place physically see myself standing on that platform, physically see myself speaking to my audiences and acknowledging members of my audience. Um, it, it, it can seem almost like, you know, does it really work? But actually it does. And in fact, when they did some research around visualization, they found that those people who visualize or who do some sort of visualization actually end up performing better than those who don't. So there is, um, you know, evidence to suggest that visualization is a powerful a tool to use uh, in assisting us, whether we want to become better prepared at something, whether we want to develop a skill, uh, whatever the case might be. Uh, it again, anything from you? For me, it was based uh, from my experience. 
it's memorizing, knowing everything by heart. And so I'm happy it again that you shared that one. And this is one I want to caution against it again. Where you decide that you're going to do that thing, that old and day thing where you must now memorize the whole presentation. It, it makes it so easy to fall into a trap. And yet, for many years, this is what we have been trained is the best way to do presentations. More and more, I'm encouraging people to say, so you know your content, know your content, it's important. But what are the key, the key things that you want to get across? And so I love it when people write major points and then under that we have sub points. And then under that we have sub points again. But this word for word cramming style can be quite debilitating because in the middle of your presentation, you forget one word and it throws you off completely. Well, it's true. It did that. <laughs> it and did that's that. what happens. And that's mm-hmm. why, again, we have to say high level, no. What are the major areas I want to cover? One, two, three. What are the points under each of those? And then you can speak freely to it, but you know that the major points have been covered. Colleagues, I caution against the word for word, uh, you know, memorization and then regurgitating that. Because once you get distracted by something or you lose your train of thought or you skip one word, it actually ends up diminishing the entire presentation. And then you have to work extra hard to remember, Gonja, how do I get back? Okay. And so really saying that. So uh, Dudu says nothing special besides reading what I've written and sometimes timing what I've got to say. Okay, so it's important to read what you've written, absolutely. But maybe just alongside my previous comment to say, I am very weary to give, you know, the suggestion to you that you must just write out the the, the entire presentation and then do the work of memorizing. What you can also do as a hack. So here's a hack for presenting on these platforms. These platforms can afford us that opportunity. So on the one hand, I'm saying, be mindful to not do this fully written out presentation. On the other hand, I'm saying that perhaps what's, you know, what the gift of this platform, where we're working on these digital platforms has been, is that your presentations can be written out because then you can just switch screen and read whatever it is that you've written out. I'm always very weary to do like a complete, I'm just going to read. In fact, sorry, I'm going to memorize. The memorization is my issue. So we can cheat the system a little bit here, uh, have it written out, and then you can just read it because at least you're still focused on the camera, but you're able to kind of just go through your content if need be. So sometimes I've done it uh, and it's worked, I suppose, uh, but really cautioning against that memorization. Please, please, please. Let's really watch out for that one. It can hurt us uh, quite a bit. So that's all I wanted to cover in respect of preparation. I said I'd talk a little bit to preparation. I'm not going to talk to the tech talk, but you know, just to position it to say perhaps some of you may have explored or thought about the idea of really becoming a thought leader. And the TED platform uh, really offers us that opportunity. So For those who don't know, TED is a global nonprofit and they devoted to spreading ideas. Uh, They were, you know, and these ideas are spread in in the form of short talks uh, or powerful talks. And they're typically 18 minutes or less. 
So there's a lot of people who've said, I want to make an impact. And so they have gone to or via the TED platform to be able to then raise their voice and to contribute to whatever cause. So, you know, there is that available to us. If you're interested to find out more, please look them up. It's TED. They have this bright red uh, logo that you then would be able to appreciate. So in terms of where I'd like to go to next, it is just to talk to kind of this new world that we find ourselves in. And so, you know, March 2020 or end of March 2020, uh, we're confronted with a situation where the whole world is turned upside down. We're confronted by this COVID pandemic. And of course, as it were, the entire world, I think, is wearing a mask. That's a brand new world. And so it has implications then in terms of kind of how we're delivering. We then move from the face-to-face format, certainly now to more digital formats. Uh, And of course, you know, there are a couple of things there, you know, that happen. Things have changed. It's no longer the same. And maybe to ask you the question, you know, what are the stark differences in your in your own experiences between the face-to-face and the online presentations? What have been some of the stark differences? There's a lot more non-expert speakers out there. It's interesting. We're going to hear from you uh, and just maybe unpack that a little bit. Uh, a lot more non-expert speakers out there. That's a very interesting feedback. Let's hear from you, Dudu. Hello. Um, hi, everyone. Um, so I'm just talking, you know, because a person is an expert and, or they are in that kind of field where they speak or do events or conference, but mm-hmm. they've got something to say and they've got a tool to say it on. Um, so there's a lot more of that. 100%. So, and, and I think there's, there's, there's pros and cons, right, to that. Um, yeah. On the one hand, it's afforded a lot more people an opportunity to have a platform to be able to share. But on the other hand, um, it's really kind of infiltrated, you know, our, our social media space with quite a bit of noise as well. Like you actually have to do a bit of sifting um, to get to some of the quality that's available out there. I don't know if that's been your experience. 100% it's overwhelming I am also finding myself incredibly overwhelmed because I'm like yay there's a lot out there and and sometimes I'm not even able to discern between what's quality and what's not really quality so I absolutely hear that uh, other colleagues what's changed Mutari what's changed kind of in that shift from the face-to-face format to the digital presenting um, I would say the the personal element is is not um, as much as it used to be. I, I love to interact with people and and hug and stuff like that when you get to events. So now you're not able to do that. It's just you at home with your laptop every single day. It's so interesting. Even the tone uh, that you're using to convey kind of this feeling of every single day. <laughs> yeah, it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. Uh, we're just confronted predominantly by black screens and maybe missing a little bit of that kind of physical interaction. And you're saying, hey, yeah. And yeah, do, do, you, we're all finding ourselves stuck at the desk on a screen, but also for very prolonged periods of time. So we're sitting at our desk for far longer than what we should be. All of these different things, you know, but and, and thank you for those contributions. Uh, so. You know, we've seen so many different things. So on the one hand, 
I think what we're seeing is that there's just multiple distractions. Uh, my daughter, I was presenting earlier, and my daughter walked in into the into the room and she went to one corner of it to try and get my attention. So she was kind of like, you know, staring at me to get my attention. And I was busy talking, you know, I was using my hands and I was talking and this little person was just like, <laughs> so, so just managing those multiple distractions that are coming at us. And I think being mindful that the distractions are happening for our audiences too. So we no longer have the sense of, are people really within? You know, you kind of are trying to gauge, you're not really sure People are on their cell phones. Then they're busy with an email. People are in and out because there are so many things competing for our attention, not just from a speaker perspective, but particularly from an audience perspective. And then, of course, uh, to your point, Dudu, we're overwhelmed, we're tired, we're Zoom fatigued, we're screen fatigued, we're so exhausted. Uh, Mudari, to your point, perhaps craving some of that connection, and I've got that wonderful slide at the top right-hand corner there, where I say, you know, you're presenting and you're asking yourself the question, am I connecting? Am I being heard? Are people understanding what I am saying? And not always being readily to ascertain this, because our audiences kind of just go, mum. And we have to dig and go, Dudu, tell me what you think. <laughs> you know, because, because the level of interaction is just, is just not happening in the same way. And we're desperate to get a sense of, are we all still together? Uh, sometimes we have those tech challenges. Uh, and so, you know, I want to take an X sometimes and physically grind through my computer because, yay, it's moving too slowly sometimes, uh, you know. Uh, and then, of course, there's connectivity issues as well. Sometimes you're on and off. We've seen it on these sessions. Uh, you know, sometimes people's bandwidth is, is disrupted. They're on. And then it's quickly, sorry, Zoya, I dropped off. Uh, I think we had somebody who was on and then they dropped off as well. These are some of the challenges that we're grappling with. Um, and then, of course, I think just kind of sitting and asking ourselves the question, will this ever end? And, and, and not being sure of what the response to that is, even though we're seeing some people start to go back uh, to the office. So a couple of things. Oh, in fact, before I get there, I want to share this wonderful, like a, a snippet of a, a, a video from the Toastmasters World Champion of Public Speaking for 2020. And I think for me, the genius you know, was that, first of all, the contest had never been held uh, virtually in its history, I think over 60-year history. This was the first time that there was going to be a virtual contest. And the gentleman who went on to become the world champion completely took it to the next level. I think for me, what he did was to really challenge us around ways in which we can actually get quite creative with the screen. Um, and so have a watch, and uh, I hope you can enjoy I was spellbound as I watched the sheriff who had just been shot slide back, open that heavy metal door, stagger forward a couple of steps, look deep into the camera and say, I before E except after C. Contest chair, fellow Toastmasters, I was in the sixth grade in Mrs. Montgomery's class watching an educational video where a sheriff was teaching us about writing while a bad guy named Bad English was shooting at him. It was on a film projector because we were technology challenged in my school. And as I watched that film, all of a sudden something started looking strange. The film slowed down. And when it picked back up, it made a sound like, tick, 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 
and it looked like it was blinking. Then the sheriff was talking to us from the side of the screen. The blinking started again with a loud noise. Everything went blank. I'm going to end it there. But I, I mean, just, just a couple of thoughts from yourselves. Um, just as you're watching that, listening to it, seeing his, 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 his take or his approach uh, to what was a very daunting new way of presenting for many of us. It's again, what comes to mind? <laughs> yeah, you lose that concentration when something is going down and then something exciting comes back. I guess it will be how maybe your movie goes haywire or something or your presentation. I, I get what that guy said. So I'm a little bit lost there. I'm, I'm, I want you to reflect on what we've just watched, right? And, yeah. and so to say, you know, just in respect of what you're seeing here, you know, what, what are you thinking? Had you ever thought about how you could use the camera in, the, in, in such interesting ways? He leans in, then he comes out. He, he, he raises his voice. He dips his voice. Uh, he does a thing to the screen. Uh, many different things happening there. Dudu says, hold your focus on him. What else? Yeah. What did you see it again? That kind of made you think, hmm, I hadn't thought of this before. No, I haven't thought also. Like, I think she was coming close and making you like, okay, I was, you know, I don't know how to say <laughs> Okay, um, thanks. Yes. <laughs> okay. All good. All good. So I think more than anything, it, it is very animated. Absolutely. Also, Marco sending me a direct message. I think you meant it for everybody. So he's very animated. And I think we're not all being asked to kind of go for that level of animation per se. But I think what he does do is to challenge us in terms of what's possible. I think he raises the question of, we often think that we, you know, we're limited kind of to sitting down, first of all. So we have to sit down when we present. Uh, We often think that I can't really move around as I present. And I think what he did was to show us that, you know, you've got an entire platform that for the most part, you can say this is the entire platform and I can use it in whatever way best suits the purpose I'm trying to achieve. So Mutari says felt like he used his entire stage. He did. Came in from one corner. I'm trying to see how we achieved the corner effect. Anyway, he came in. There we go. From one corner, went all the way sort of close up. Then he came back, etc. So he, he gave us the sense of kind of dimension, but it felt like the space was much bigger because of how he used the space. In that short one minute, I think it's a minute long, we see vocal variety. He uses his voice well, gesturing, body language. Uh, we see all sorts of things, use of space, and, and absolutely powerfully done. So if we bring it back to ourselves, you know, I'm saying there's been a switch in the world order. And, you know, one of the biggest switches has been this, right? This idea that we used to really focus on the personality of the, not the personality, but on the presenter themselves. So big hullabaloo, if you think back, you know, to, and, and, and I don't know if you, any of you follow kind of people who are speakers, but I've been following a number for a couple of years, and particularly those who are US-based. It was all about the, the person, the presenter who was going to speak, followed by kind of the audiences that they, they were then speaking to. And from time to time, you know, they would use some of the technology. Uh, it was uncanny. Uh, it was not uncanny, sorry, for speakers to kind of ditch the microphone even and to just speak using the power of their voices. 
Um, many of them didn't use things like PowerPoint. You know, we thought PowerPoint was not, it meant we weren't good enough. We needed a, an aid um, in our presentations. And I think the switch we've seen is that, you know, in this new world, we're saying we actually cannot do anything without the technology. It starts with the technology. We have to have the technology. I cannot connect with you in this way without the technology. So we really, you know, have to be clear that our technology is on point. And then, of course, now we're saying with our audiences who are just so distracted, how do we ensure that we really are connecting with our audiences? And then ultimately, I think it boils down to, okay, you also have this person who's the presenter. But really switch in terms of where the priority is and where our focus should be. Our tech must work. We must then ensure that as we create the content, it really is about saying, how do we ensure that we grab the attention of our audience and we try as much as possible to keep that attention? And then ultimately to say, you know, then to think about myself as the presenter. The focus is no longer on the, the, the presenter purely. We need technology and we need to be mindful of our audiences who find themselves, you know, distracted. We no longer have that, and I'm going to say inverted commas, control over audiences. We've lost some of that control. We can't see them most of the time. And so how do we still keep them engaged as we connect with them? And so I'm going to look at the first one. This is the tech here. This is really to say, you know, please get your tech in order. Uh, you know, and part of it is to say light. Always face your desk towards the window or a place where there's light coming in. If you see me looking like I have a natural glow, I promise you it's not natural. I'm using a selfie ring light. So it sits right in behind my table here and it reflects that beautiful light onto my face and I'm able to be lit up quite well. So always ensure that you either position your desk uh, wherever you sit in front of good lighting that can reflect on you. When people do not see you, colleagues, it translates to a difficulty to hear you. So you want to be seen clearly. It contributes to being heard. And then I say do an audio and picture quality check before the session. So do this stuff. And, you know, connect with the people who always have somebody to assist you. So you've seen that myself and Usobako have been tag teaming in that respect. She's assisting to manage some of those elements in the background that I can't really readily attend to because I'm manning the slides. I also sometimes work with Mutari and sometimes I'll say, you know, Mutari, I'm presenting. Can you assist in terms of the chat function? A Zoom, we can see the chat function. On Microsoft Teams, we don't always have line of sight of those things. So find people who can assist you uh, as you deliver your presentations. Do those uh, audio and quality checks prior to the session to make sure that everything is working well. I say do regular updates to your software. Um, nothing worse than kind of trying to you know, get, get the job done, but you realize that your limitation is the fact that you haven't done a software update. And so for the most part, your technology is lagging or it's not up to date, et cetera. Charge, you know, your, your different devices. Uh, if not, always make sure that you're adequately prepared. This is part of always being prepared uh, that you can just, if you notice that you're running out of battery, just plug it in the moment and continue with your presentation. And then, of course, if you're able to as much as possible, invest in a solid Wi-Fi connection. I remember when we first moved into lockdown, I just had a router at home. Uh, it became important that I then am able to connect on a fiber connection and a very specific fiber connection to enable me to have continuity, but also to deliver professionalism to my clients. And then we move to our audiences. And I'm saying in respect of our audiences here, it really is about grabbing their attention. And I share the picture of a goldfish because at some point when we wanted to 
uh, you know, connect or when we wanted to talk about somebody who struggled with a concentration, we'd say, you know, you, you're, you're worse than or, you know, better than a goldfish or you're just like a goldfish because you're unable to concentrate. And what we've seen, colleagues, over the years is that our concentration spans actually have been affected. Our ability to concentrate for long periods has been significantly impacted. And so we're worse than goldfish. Uh, we're unable to, to kind of keep attention for very long on things. So how do you grab people's attention? And then beyond that, how do you keep their attention? One of the tricks or one of the things I use, as you have seen, is to really pull people in. I get them to participate. I ask questions. I use the chat function. Other people do other things. So ask questions. Other people use interactive polls. And I've seen the power of this as well where we're able to readily get feedback on whatever. There's a number of different, uh, you know, uh, uh, platforms that do that. One of the platforms I use is something called Mentimeter. Uh, and Mentimeter is, is, is so wonderful, different ways in which you can plug questions in, display it real time, uh, you know, uh, during the session and be able to get that feedback real time as well. It's very powerful. Play music, use breakaway groups. I love breakaway groups. Uh, whilst in this webinar format, we were not going to be doing that. You know, if you're presenting to different types of groups, you have people who are comfortable to step into the plenary, and it's often the minority of the people, the plenary being the wide, big audience. If you really want to get, you know, people to contribute, one of the ways to do it is to actually put them into some kind of breakaway group that's more intimate. And I found that people there are more willing to engage, to share, etc. If your sessions are quite long, so our sessions here were just one hour, it's okay. But for the most part, I think anything after an hour, you know, you want to start introducing five-minute leg stretches, et cetera, allowing people an opportunity just to step away and then to come back again. We're finding that this is useful even in respect of like mindfulness and ensuring that we're trying to balance out some of that overwhelm and Zoom fatigue. Then, of course, I love this one. I call people by their names. So, you know, uh, you pick up that there's a little bit of a lag in terms of the engagement. Uh, really become familiar with people. Uh, call them out by name. Do, do, itikeng, mutari, esobako, whatever the case might be. Call people out by name. It is a trick that always works, but perhaps forewarn them. Um, and of course, if it's people who you're not uh, comfortable or familiar with, build a little bit of that. And one of the ways I do that is I play games and I introduce fun icebreakers. And so one of the things I, I do is I'll say, I mean, I did a check-in today and I said, oh, the weather is a bit weird. I feel a bit gray. And so let's use uh, colors to check in today. And we did a check-in where I asked everybody to tell me what color they were feeling, or what color best represented how they were feeling as they came into the session. And as they wrote, said this, I wrote down the person's name and the color they were feeling. And then when I was engaging them, I would say, oh, okay, great. Uh, charcoal, gray, avanti. You know, what's happening for you? So I love to use those fun icebreakers and I will reference it and it becomes quite fun instead of intimidating when you would then call people back into the session. So I think creativity is going to be the name of the game is what I say here. Let's really become creative, find ways to think about different ways in which we can engage our audiences. And then, of course, the final one here is the presenter. And I'm saying to you, you know, how are you going to be memorable as a presenter? Are people going to remember you for how you told stories really well? Are people going to remember you for your ability to explain difficult uh, to grasp concepts? Are people going to remember you because you were energetic and passionate and knew your subject or your content really well? So really for you to be able to articulate at the end of it all, 
that I want to bring value. What value do you bring? Do you know what value you bring? And can people correlate that this is certainly the value that we experienced because Zoya was in the room? So really do that for yourself. A couple of things there. I said, you know, part of your, your value add is actually just in you bringing yourself and being quite authentic. Uh, bring energy and passion. Now, energy and passion must not be misread to say your energy and Zoya's energy must be the same or that, you know, energy means you must be upbeat and loud and jumping up and down. Energy is literally just saying that you're bringing like um, you're, you're interested, you're, you're connected to, to what you're going to present. You have an interest, you know, because when you have an interest and there's kind of an energy around it, then we are experienced that if you don't have it, why must I have it, you know? So really to say here, I was listening to two different presentations a little bit earlier this morning. One lady was very high energy, kind of, you know, and the second was very calming. She had a calming, soothing energy about her, but there was a wonderful energy there. She was no less passionate, but her style was fundamentally different to the one who was kind of bubbly and, and overt in her expression. I say in terms of voice, uh, we looked at voice, I think, in one of the sessions. Use variety in your voice. You know, use that variety. I think I described the voice as, as an instrument. So really play this instrument that's going to assist you to connect with your audiences. This is the primary vehicle that you're going to use in terms of communicating that message. And I think in the voice session, what we spoke about there as well was your voice is also kind of who you are. What's the story that you're wanting to tell? What's the voice? What's the message that, you know, you're wanting to then put across? And then here in terms of body language, I'm talking about things like eye contact. Eye contact on these, on these platforms, colleagues, is literally you looking at that black dot. That's eye contact talking to you. When I look at kind of, you know, people on the screens and all sorts of things, it doesn't register as eye contact. So it also can be a lot if I'm just doing this the whole time. So it's that, you know, kind of find your own flow and rhythm, but it is being able to do that and then read a little bit, look at people, come back to eye contact again, et cetera. Um, I say frame for fame. So you're framing, right? Be mindful of kind of what does this little four square look like? Um, framing for fame. So if I bring this down too much, can you see I'm cutting my head? Now you're speaking to like some of me, not all of me, Okay. Similarly, and this is just me, the laptop, literally moving the laptop. Similarly, I sometimes have to look at people's noses. <laughs> okay, so be careful around kind of where your laptop or how your laptop, where, you know, where you've positioned that, that lever of your laptop so that at least we're able to get a full picture. I always like to give this. Some people only like to give this. And one of the ways to achieve that is literally you take a couple of books, you place it under your laptop and you bring it up like this. And so you can raise your laptop or it can be a little bit further down, depending on what you're trying to achieve. I like to get this kind of um, framing. All good. And then I say things like gestures, absolutely. But be aware that the gestures here are minimized. So you're not here in terms of your gestures. You're probably, they're a little bit more uh, smaller because we're working in a much more contained space. In a bigger space, or if I move back, my gestures can certainly be a little bit bigger. So the closer I am to screen, the smaller my gestures are. The further away I am from screen, 
the bigger then I can make my gestures. But be mindful that you then do want to do the work of coming in and out because I'm too far here. Okay. Sit upright. Sit upright. I've propped myself with tons of pillows here. Uh, one, because I want to have good posture and sit upright, uh, but also because I am <laughs> heavily expecting. Uh, so sit upright. And then, of course, there's nothing that, you know, conveys a message of approachability and connectivity and a sense of you're welcome in my space than smiling. So smile, 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 smile. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, and then I said dress code here. I said be mindful of your environment. Your dress code does matter. So be mindful of your own environment. I had an opportunity, I remember a couple of years back, again, I was part of, I don't know what it was, but there's this gentleman named Rich Mulholland, and he's quite controversial uh, in terms of just kind of, he's got this very interesting biker rock star look. And I remember he was one of the speakers at this huge conference uh, that was uh, being hosted that I was attending or that I was part of, I don't remember. And I remember when I met this gentleman, you know, he looked rugged. You know, I was like, hey, did this gentleman even take a bath? He looked rugged from head to toe. And I remember, you know, kind of that first impression being, hey, I don't know, this, this person is just, I don't know. Anyway, he went up onto the platform and uh, he started speaking about, you know, brands. He's somebody who's in the advertising space and he was speaking about branding um, and how we position ourselves as brands and how we can really push the envelope in terms of, you know, uh, innovation and creativity. And I promise you, every preconception I had of that man was changed in that moment. That outfit suited his look. Those tattoos all over his arms suited exactly, sorry, suited what he was trying to convey. It was in line with his brand. There was a brand alignment there that I felt like I... You know, if, if he tried to wear some kind of suit, uh, it just would not have fitted. Uh, and so be mindful of your own environment uh, in terms of dress code, work relative to that. I work with a lot of bankers. They typically rock up in suits for everything, uh, even if they're going to meet with contractors, um, you know, on a, on, on a mining site or whatever. They're still kind of in their suits. And we laugh at how uh, bankers will, will rock up in that formal where they're very formal, particularly those in the corporate investment banking space. It's, it's really funny. Bright colors over dull colors any day, no overt stripes. Uh, and then I've said, you know, swap your slippers for some formal shoes. It also gives you that feeling of I'm in a presentation. So mentally, I think it's just kind of saying to your mind, I'm prepping myself. It's a big presentation. Slippers might make you feel a bit you know, a bit laxed. And so that can help. And of course, I say manage your disruptions as well. So prepare those in your home environment um, and manage some of those disruptions uh, that could potentially get in the way of your presentations. You know, ultimately, colleagues, I think what I'm saying here, you know, is that you all have something of value to contribute. And I think part of the Be Heard program, whilst you really have only kind of gotten a snippet from what we cover, uh, the premise of this is that you have something of value to contribute. The premise is that your voice deserves to be heard. Why? Because you have a story to tell. And, you know, my hope is that through these very short sessions, an hour is, is, is you know, it's, I suppose it's a lot, depending on what you want to get through. But it also has felt at times like you who are rushing uh, to get as much information to you as possible. From our side, I think it has been a great pleasure to walk the journey with some of you 
Uh, there are those of you who joined and then just have not been able to be present to the sessions themselves, but I can rest it, I can keep the others uh, you know, assured that we send through the videos and we do get some feedback from people who say, I'm watching uh, the webinars. Uh, I'm just not able to physically be present. So thank you. Thank you for, for joining the sessions. Uh, we then are going to ask for, for your feedback um, in respect of the sessions, what worked, what didn't work. Uh, at the beginning of the session, I made mention of the fact that this was the first time we were rolling it out in this format. Uh, the actual Be Heard program exists as like a 10-session Be Heard program. It also exists as an online program where we have, you know, very specific pillars and, and significant content under each. And what we tried to do here was to take, you know, bits and pieces, uh, put it together to create a holistic experience that we wanted to be worthwhile. Uh, for you at a, a you know, significantly reduced cost, but to give you a little bit of access um, and to equip you with tools that can certainly assist you to, to be heard uh, and, and, and to improve those communication skills. So we hope that we have you know, met that objective uh, and certainly will appreciate your feedback. So Usobako will be sending through a link. Uh, we won't do it now. We will be sending through a link and the ask is that you please give us some feedback. We'd love to get your feedback. Dudu, uh, you've been present to, I think, all the sessions, if not almost all of the sessions. And so your feedback would be valued. It's again, you've attended most of the sessions as well. Please give us your feedback. You know, what were some of the areas that worked? What were some of the things you'd love to see improvements on? This has been a work or it is a work in progress for us, but we certainly are wanting to bring a whole lot more of this to uh, wider audiences to more people. So if there's nothing else from your side, uh, thank you to Usobako, who's been wonderful as an administrative or admin resource. Uh, thank you so much for everything. Today is her birthday. So happy birthday to you as well. Um, and thank you that you're working on your birthday. Askis. Um, thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> happy birthday um and colleagues to say we have come to the end of our eight sessions we will be sending this recording to you as well uh but to thank you thank you for 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 investing in this and we hope that it has been uh, beneficial to you um, on some level thanks colleagues we're ending on time today thank you thank you and uh, yeah everything of the best as you step out and you become somebody who's heard. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.